Hello everybody, welcome to episode 69 of the Canberra Football Show. Finals week two, preliminary final time. Michael, some absolutely astounding results uh, in all three competitions, MPL, MPLW and CPL. A team that came third or fourth have made the grand final. So they ventured through the elimination final, won the preliminary final, and one of them ended up defeating league champions on their way there as well. Some absolutely incredible results. Some matches went to extra time. Some went to penalties. Uh, this weekend had it all, didn't, didn't it? It really did. It had every sort of entertaining component to finals football, didn't it, Matt? And like you said, you know, it was pretty much the weekend of the underdog. It, all the teams that you, you know, on paper thought were going to get their way through to the final, you know, uh, fell at that hurdle, you know. So it, it was the weekend of the underdog. All those sides that weren't favorites heading into it ended up coming through and making their way through to the final across the three leagues. And like you said, we had extra time drama. We had penalty shootouts and goals in abundance between the three games. So an absolutely cracking weekend. And I definitely didn't think it was going to be sort of as hectic uh, as what sort of this past weekend proved to be. But I mean, you know, as, as a neutral sort of football fan in Canberra, that's exactly what you would have wanted to pay your money to watch. And it was an amazing weekend of, of football. And, you know, now obviously this coming weekend, we've got, you know, the last final step of the season with grand final football. But I mean, this week, this past weekend was, you know, it, it, I qu- can't even find enough words to describe, you know, the, the, just how entertaining all those games were across the three leagues. It was absolutely sensational. And, you know, fortunately enough, we get to sort of talk about it, discuss it and break it down together. So, so we kick things off, Matt, in the NPL where the Monaro Panthers managed to defeat Gungahlin United 2-0. McLaren and Michael John on the score sheet for Monero in this game. And in doing so, Matt, getting the victory in this match against Gungahlin United, Monero secured their place in the grand final for the first time since 1999, I believe. So a near 23 years since the last time that they were sort of at this stage after... You know, they defeated Gungahlin at Deakin Stadium this past weekend. So a little bit of history there for the Monaro Panthers. And I remember we had sort of discussed briefly on the last show that, you know, that they're at such an important stage, obviously coming into this game that, you know, considering what they've sort of been through over the past few years, sort of pre-COVID and, you know, they were sort of near the bottom of the bottom half of the table for a number of seasons, but they've really managed to turn things around. And now they find themselves back at the pinnacle in a grand final. So kudos to Monaro for getting themselves back into the big time. And, you know, I won't get into it too much, but it sets up obviously a grand final showdown with Canberra Croatia, who will obviously have the advantage of playing in front of their, you know, home fans this weekend. But to kick things off in this encounter, Matt, you know, the Panthers were off and running from the very beginning as McLaren absolutely laced his effort into the top corner of the goal to give Monaro the perfect start after only just a couple of minutes of play, Matt. So it sort of just showed how eager Monaro were to start that game on the front foot. And, you know, it was a 
first decent save made by the goalkeeper, but it sort of just fell to McLaren. He took a nice turn in to open up his body. And like I said, he sort of just absolutely put his through, foot through the ball into the top corner of the net to give Monaro the lead. And sort of from that moment onwards at 1-0, you know, both sides did go on to create sort of more chances as obviously Monaro were looking to extend their lead. And then you had Gunners on the flip side of that, obviously hoping to try and get themselves on level terms. But it would be Monaro who would take that 1-0 advantage into the break after that goal in the second minute of play from McLaren. And a real dagger was suffered. Uh, sorry, a real dagger was placed uh, in the Gungahlin United Hearts sort of four minutes into the second half, Matt, as you know, former Gungahlin player Michael John produced a quality finish back across goal into the bottom corner of the net to make it 2-0 to Monaro. And you can see that he didn't really celebrate the goal too much because obviously of his respect playing against his former club, but nevertheless, it was a very tidy finish and it's exactly what we've seen him do over numerous years in the MPL at this level. He's a very good finisher and, you know, he highlighted it with that goal at such a critical time of the game to double Monaro's advantage. And obviously not to the surprise of, of many Gungahlin, you know, tried stepping their foot down and, you know, they tried to really get themselves back into it by creating opportunities, you know, to give themselves a, themselves a chance in, in this game to get themselves back in it, but nothing was just pulling off sort of for them in that final third. They just couldn't seem to get the ball in the back of the net. And I think Monaro sort of recognized having that two goal advantage they had, they used that to sort of just, you know, eventually slowly sit off Gungahlin, you know, in, in the second period there after going 2-0 up and maybe just look to sort of hit Gungahlin on the break, given that, you know, Gungahlin were getting forward, trying to, you know, obviously, you know, at, at one stage there, getting into a bit of a desperation mode because obviously of the situation that you're in, trying to get yourself back into the game. So you're going to, obviously just get as many numbers forward as you can. And obviously that leaves you susceptible to the counter-attack. So I think that's what we sort of witnessed there in the second half. But Monero, you know, they they held on. They got the 2-0 win. Like I said, it's a monumental moment for them in the, for the club and for its history as well. And I do want to say, though, well done to Gunners. You know, they they did have a good season. They, you know, made this prelim final stage and you know for overall i think they had a pretty good season they had some really good results in there they've obviously got a talented squad that we've talked about on numerous occasions on this show and as for monaro now matt you know they've they've hit some really good form at just the right time in the finals after i think you know they sort of experienced a bit of dip in form just before sort of finals had kicked off and i'm just not sure if that was obviously because they knew that they were going to finish in third position for sort of quite a while in the back end of the season, but you know, they've managed to flip, flip the switch in finals and they've been putting in some absolutely stellar performances. And, you know, it, it's going to come down to the absolute wire against Canberra, Croatia in that final. And I know that I'm not just speaking for me, but for, you know, all of Canberra football, that is going to be an incredible game that people are going to definitely want to get out to and watch. 
look, it, it certainly will. And um, yeah, congratulations to Monaro. Commiserations to Gunners. I completely agree with what you said. They've had a really good season. Obviously, they didn't get uh, the objectives they would have liked, which, you know, for someone like Ngarn, the objectives would have been try and win the league, try and win the grand final, you know, try and win the Fed, uh, Fed slash Oz Cup. But in saying that, though, they've still, like you said, they've still had a really good season. So commiser- uh, well done at a good season, but commiserations as well. And Monaro, like you said, First final since 99, huge for the club. I'm um, sure the fans will be out in um, in uh, in earnest there. Uh, what, once again, though, I said the same thing last week. These last two performances have been the best defensive performances I've seen from Monaro uh, this season. I'm sure some people might disagree there. Maybe they might think there were better ones at the start of the season. But considering how pivotal this was... Um, in the you know where we were right now, I think these were the two strongest performances. Uh, yeah, Bernabeu Madrid had quite a few chances. Uh, Jordan Thurtell was absolutely terrific near the end of that half there. And naturally, if you're winning two nil, uh, the you know the opposing team is going to have more chances than they did in the first, and they did. And um, I echo some of the comments that were made by Russ and uh, Steve Forshaw as well. It was mm. it was just one of those days. It wasn't going to be Bernabeu Madrid's day, uh, considering how many chances he had that was saved by Thurtell in the end. And then there was a couple where even there was one, especially where he even beat the keeper, but it just didn't make it in. Uh, so, and it had to be Michael John, didn't it? Uh, every, yeah. I don't know how many times we've seen that this season where a former player just coming off that team uh, yeah. that they just left has scored against their former club. We've yeah. seen it in every, all three of the leagues. We've seen mm-hmm. it like numerous times this season. Um, I know it happens a lot in Canberra football, but I think we've seen it more this season than we have in the last two. Uh, maybe that's yeah. just because it's been a longer season uh, considering COVID. But yeah, look, uh, that does set up an interesting final though. Canberra Croatia, Monaro Panthers, Saturday, October 1st, 6pm at Deakin Stadium. Uh, the results between these two sides this season, round three, nil, nil, Canberra Croatia and Monaro. Round 10 was one nil to Canberra Croatia and round 17 was two, two draw between these so Monaro haven't been able to get the edge this season in terms of the victory, but as you can see from these results, two draws and very, very close games. So I, I, I would assume Monaro will try and keep their defensive line as strong as it has been, try and counter with as much pace as possible. Croatia will start with the ball and a lot of the ball, so I'm sure it'll be up to Monaro to try and get a really good lead in and, a, and break as quick as they can, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, a strong defensive line for Monaro. And um, if both teams are able to score early, maybe we'll see another goal fest though. So this game has opens up itself up to heaps and heaps of possibilities. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. So Michael, uh, do you have any thoughts on this final before we uh, move on? It's going to be a cracking final. And I, I definitely think it's going to be a tense final because like yeah, you sort of tense. just sounded off there, Matt, the, the results have been very, very close. And I mean, the only, you know, victory in that, in the three encounters that they've had this season was by Canberra Croatia, but it was only by a goal to nil. Yeah. So I think that sort of just indicates that, you know, it's going to be a, a tense and tight affair. But, but knowing what these final series has been like, that's mm, why yeah. I sort of mentioned, even though I expect, you know, uh, tense and uh, tight defensively from both sides. I can easily see it going the other way considering what we've seen, but we'll have to wait. Oh, and see. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> there, there could be goals in abundance or, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, like I said, it could be a tight and tense affair and there's only a single sort of goal that 
makes the difference between these two sides. But one thing you can assure is, is that both of these teams are going to give absolutely everything. And they've both had fantastic seasons up until this point, And it's going to be a great game of football down there at Deakin Stadium at 6 p.m. And we are back with our MPLW segment uh, for this preliminary final. Jeremy joins us again. It's been a while, Jeremy. Thanks for joining us. And uh, what's with your uh, Belkonen bias, mate, on the show? What's going on with the show? <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's uh, I'm, I'm all I'm all Belkonen biased after what we've lived uh, yesterday. Oh, it was a, yeah. a nice way to pay homage to uh, to that game that that was pretty extraordinary yesterday afternoon at Riverside. And we thought we couldn't get any more, like in terms of a. A fight like a finals match. We thought we couldn't get any more crazy than last week, and then we had, uh, and then we had this one. Uh, actually, before we start, Pius, well, what do you think about last week's match between Olympic and uh, Croatia? Because we didn't think it could be top, could we? And then this week happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at least this week there wasn't there wasn't that much rain. Yeah, um, <laughs> oh, besides but, that, yes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was it was amazing, and it was. I, I mean, I guess we are we almost we almost did the same thing two weeks in a row, and I guess unfortunately for Canberra Croatia having the, the strength to come back and then unfortunately seeing the other team still um, finding the resources to still win it. Uh, it's uh, it, it's unbelievable. Like I, I don't remember any competition where it's been so crazy at the end of a, at the end of the season, like anything that I've ever watched in, in my football life. So it's uh it's pretty, it's pretty special. I think to be involved and to be able to, uh, to see that in, in our domestic competitions. It certainly is. And great job to you. And uh, Russ as always on the commentary there, let's get straight into it. Shall we? Canberra Croatia four, Belcon United five after extra time. Insane match at the Riverside between these two historical MPLW rivals. Belco stunned the reigning league champions with three goals in the opening 18 minutes. 13 minutes in, Kira Bobbin countered with her pace, running onto a ball from Pally Woda from deep to score the first. Bobbin broke, then crossed it in for Pally Woda, who uh, worked herself into a free area and buried it for 2-0. Two minutes later, the Blue Devils made it 3-0 after Kira Bobbin crossed it to Backhouse. Backhouse sort of nipped it up for Bomford, who beautifully struck it first time. Crash by this point, unfamiliar territory. Uh, I don't can't even think the last time that they were down 3-0 in the opening 18 minutes. Needed to dig deep uh, if they were to make a comeback, but they did have time on their side considering it was 18 minutes in. Croatia uh, struck back one in the first half through the penalty spot as Backhouse seemed to handball it and the ref called for that spot kick. Palombi stepped up to convert it to make it 3-1. Croatia made it 3-2 six minutes into the second half as Fenson put in a big, big ball uh, from well uh, in her own area. Um well in her own area and um, into the box. It deflected off Carnegie into the path of Sienna Burney, who struck it first time for the finish. Croatia completed their comeback in the 75th minute with a goal that took them to extra time. Britt Palombi with a low cross, um, a cross goal, which was converted by substitute Sienna Burney. Croatia struck first, first in the extra time, eight minutes into that first stanza of extra time. Jenny Bissett battled for the ball and won it and put it in the left corner. As it looked like Croatia had completed their comeback and were about to head into stoppage time with the lead, Belcon United, uh, we're not going to go down without a fight. And Captain Talia Backhouse stepped up with a looming free kick over the wall, over the keeper's head and just under the crossbar to make it 4-4. And take it to ex- and take it in to stoppage time. A terrific goal there, as it looked like the contest was going to go to penalties. Ninety seconds later, once again the captain 
Talia Backhouse steps up big with a towering header from a Bomford uh, cross at the near post to send Belconnen to the grand final. Heartbreak for Canberra Croatia to make that big comeback from 3-0 down to being within minutes of completing that comeback. Uh, it, it doesn't take away from their great season. Uh, obviously, they were league champions, but unfortunately for them, on the day and last week, it wasn't meant to be for them. And their main goal of uh, winning the grand final will not be possible this season. Stunning performance from Belco. Belco, first of all, to take that three-goal lead, which we haven't seen in such a short span against Croatia. And then, you know, to dig deep after losing that three-goal after losing that three-goal lead, going down 4-3, most teams would sort of drop their heads by that point, but um, not Belconnen. Congrats to Scott Conlon and his side for making that grand final. Great achievement. They will play Canberra Olympic now. Jeremy, I hope I did that with that description. I hope I did that uh, game justice. What were your thoughts on it? Obviously, you were there commentating this one. Uh, you and Russ were pretty stunned. Overall, what did you think of the match? Yeah, so, so much to uh, to discuss, right? It, it was obviously it was an amazing game. Uh, the, the third goal for Canberra Croatia was called by uh, Shania Setin, um, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was stunning. I think you know it was a game of momentums. The first five minutes, Canberra Croatia seemed ready. They almost scored. They just inches away from scoring the first goal very early, and then um, Belgrade United starts going forward and find space wherever they go, counter-attack, direct football. And somehow, Canberra Croatia was a bit passive defensively on, on those opportunities. Uh, and Belconen picked them up uh, fresh, and that was great because when they played in Deakin, they scored at the fifth minute, and then they waste a few opportunities. And, and this time, there was no place for that. You know, it's everybody would love to be up 3-0 uh, so early into the game. You, you could argue that maybe it was too early to be up 3-0 against a team like Embraer Croatia because then you got 70 minutes of defending coming your way. Uh, and they did it heroically. I mean, I, I don't know how much we can talk about Sofia Dumos, but this was a performance for the ages, whether it was Grace Gill or Brittany Palombi or Bella Barac coming up. She was everywhere. And, and of course, the whole team uh, was helping. But I think... Um, you know, I we rarely see Grace Gill nullified that way and, and to the point of frustration sometimes. Uh, and so and I'm sure that, you know, even even Grace would recognize how great um, Sophia was on on her man marking. But she was just behind her neck the whole time, wherever Grace was going, Dumas was just behind. So it was a good performance from the youngster, Jala Murphy in goals as well. Uh, and and Canberra Croatia yet find the resources. They push, they push, they push. They're able to get there a bit similar like last week, right? It's an assist from, uh, from Brittany Palombi from the left wing that offers the equalizer uh, to set in just 10 minutes before full time. And then when comes extra time, you, you're seeing again the momentum and it looks like it's all Canberra Croatia. Belkonen looked tired. We said it a couple of times on, on the comms. I mean, we're almost, to be honest, we're almost burying Belkonen when we're commentating with Russ saying that, you know, it's a young team and they've done great and maybe next year is their time and maybe it's not their time right now because we don't see them pushing up. We don't really see them pressing high and, and we don't see them doing what it would usually take to try and, and get back into that game. Uh, late changes are happening and, and, then, and then it's all about, it's all about talent. It's magical what we've witnessed, that free kick. Um, you know, it's hard to put it where she puts it, and it's it's just perfect. And, you know, for any keeper, it would have been almost impossible to get it. And then the very next corner kick, I mean, you know, if you're Canberra Croatia, you got, you got to beat yourself up. It's the exact same goal you considered at round 19. It's that corner kick comes onto the near post, and uh, a Belkron player is able to hit it 
in front of you when there's three, four Canberra Croatia defenders. So it's it's tough for uh, for the team coach by Zoran Glavnic. Uh, it's it's hard to concede twice, of course, with minutes left. And you know, just after the game, Nick Brosnich was was texting me and was like, "Oh, I know what it feels." To concede in the last minute, obviously the grand final in 2019, uh, and and it must be a, a terrible feeling. You know, it could be the last game for a few of those uh, of those very important players in that squad, and and it's a it, it's a tough one to to finish. There was like there was tears at the end. I couldn't even get myself to go and and try and talk to the Canberra Russia players because I feel like I would have I would have cried with them because there was so much sadness with that with the way the game went. Uh, but for Belcon United, I mean the. The noise they made in the locker room was probably heard all the way around Queanbeyan and even all the way to the capital. And and they and they were stoked as they should be. They were underdogs this week. They are going to be underdog next week. Um, they were underdogs almost the whole season, and they really went from from strength to strength. It's a team that couldn't win against West Canberra early in the season, uh, and now they've defeated Canberra Croatia twice, and and they've shown how solid they are everywhere on the park. There's there's talent. Everywhere, there's experience going through maturity shown by young players like Sofia Palivoda and Rally Yuen, who are all week in the national youth championship and they're able to put on a shift like I did yesterday. It, it was just amazing and it's, it's great to be part of that. I mean, obviously, it's amazing to, to hear Russ calling those games because uh, he definitely did them justice and I was almost like spectating above the game and his commentary. Uh, but, but it was it was really to be part of it. I think, you know, I think it's a... Uh, it's something special for this young team who supposedly, um, you know, was all turned turned upside down in, in the offseason. Remember, you know, you're losing Mickey Thornton, you lose Nico Jaloka uh, in, in the offseason, two of your most important players, and you're wondering how you're going to step up. Well, Talia Bakaos stepped up all season. She's their leading goal scorer, and now she scored two goals when it matters the most. And like I said, the, the team looked tired, so she's almost done it on her own, um, which is something that, you know, needs to be uh, saluted. Hard for Canberra, Croatia, amazing for Belconen. Absolutely. I mean, what an absolute spectacle this game was. I mean, you couldn't really sort of keep up with, you know, all the, you know, the the ups and downs that came sort of for, for both sides in terms of what they had to endure throughout the game, but it put together one of the best games that we've seen ever in MPLW history. So I, th- I think a great effort uh, to both uh, teams and obviously a congratulations to Belcon and United for making it through uh, to the grand final for MPLW. So that segues into Canberra Olympic up against Belcon and United Saturday, October 1st, 3 p.m. at Deakin Stadium. And just for a f- bit of further context the results this season between the two sides so they've met on three occasions round three olympic won three two uh the federation cup final olympic also won that encounter two one and in round 10 there was a one one draw between the sides so olympic haven't lost to belconnen uh this season and we'll just have to see if that's something that they can continue in the most vital game of the season. Jeremy, what are your thoughts on this final matchup? You know, necessarily, you know, people will be a little bit surprised that maybe Canberra Croatia aren't in the final, given how good they were all season, but it just goes to show, and it happens in finals football, uh, you know, from time to time, not always the the best team, particularly in a, in a knockout format, uh, necessarily gets through. And that's what's happened 
uh, on this occasion, but it's going to be an absolutely cracking game, isn't it, between Canberra Olympic and Belconnen United? Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, it, it, it's great. We were saying that yesterday with uh, with Russ offline. You know, most most seasons recently, we've had two teams really dominating and then two, three teams in the mix for for the finals. This season, three teams, even four teams with, with West Canberra uh, were able to play that amount, that great football and Belkon and Olympic and Croatia are are probably leveled, you know, um, we, we can week out, then it's a matter of who scores and, and who, who defends better kind of thing. It plays on details most of the time. Uh, you, you've said it, how, how tight those results have been, how tight it's been between Croatia and and Olympic as well, and between Croatia and Belconnen during the, the full season. So we're, we're spoiled to have that much talent. Um, seeing the, the league champions not making it into the final is, of course, a bit of a surprise, uh, but it's also full credit to how well the other teams have, have prepared for it. You know, the, the reigning champions have, have won everything there is to win, uh, and then the other teams have come with with expectations and with knowing how to play them. Uh, we've said it during during round 19, Belkon United probably had found the recipe to beat Canberra Croatia. They've done it again. Olympic had beaten Canberra Croatia in the uh, Federation Cup semi-final as well. So it's two teams that are deserving to be there the same way Croatia would have deserved to be there. The game is going to be like it's definitely going to be a, a spectacle, and you know we have uh, we have some futsal world champions on on one side with uh, Miki Tonton and, and Nicole Zaloka coming back uh, from Spain for for that grand final, and uh, on the other side we have a, a young group of of players who really want to prove that even if they're again coming in as the underdogs, um, they can get the result. Scott Conlon before that semi final of uh, of Federation Cup uh, was was telling me that. Winning the, the league championship might be hard, but for the two other trophies, it just needs to be great for 180 minutes. And he's doing that right now. And he's only 90 minutes away from, from being able to, to lift a trophy. He's going to do everything he can uh, to bring the trophy back to Belconnen. Uh, you know, Anthony Jagorinets was uh, at Riverside yesterday and was saying that he doesn't even remember himself ever scoring three goals so quickly against Canberra Croatia. So he was saluting the performance that, that, that he was seeing. I'm sure he wants to see uh, a bit more of that against uh, against Olympic this week. It's going to be different. Both teams are talented uh, throughout the park. Olympic offensively offers a different kind of threat than what Canberra Croatia is offering. So Belkonen is going to have to adapt to that. Um, Belkonen United, we know what, what they can do and they were able to score um, almost at every game if I'm mistaken against Olympic. So they know how to get there. It's just going to be, I'm fairly certain, it's going to be a matter of details. It's going to be set pieces. It's going to be uh, how quickly the teams are getting into the game, how long that round of observation uh, lasts. Probably going to be cagey a little bit, but uh, look, if it's anything like the, the games that we've seen in finals so far, there's, there's no doubt it's going to be a cracking game. Big match on the weekend. Jeremy, will you be, uh, any last words before uh, uh, we sign off? Uh, will you be commentating on the weekend or anything like that? Yeah, I'll be with Russ uh, at 3 p.m. and uh, at Deakin, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's great. It's too bad that it's the end of the season, right? Because there's so much amazing football, but it's uh, it's so promising for next season in the WNPL, and uh, and yeah, I'm just looking forward to a uh, to one great last weekend of uh, of football in the capital. Hello, everybody. CPL time. Webby is back with us. Webby, how's it going today? Yeah, pretty good. How you guys doing? Yeah. Doing good, thanks, Webby. Not too bad. And as we chatted off air, heaps of crazy results and uh, some dramatic finishes to matches and CPL was no different. But before that, I have to get your thoughts. Uh, 
do you want to make a comment about putting the kiss of death on ANU a couple of weeks ago? Or oh, look, I'd probably kiss of death a lot of teams this year. And um, no, exactly. I I was surprised. As as I said, they are finals football team, and they've proven it over the last kind of eight or nine years. But uh, wasn't their time. Uh, unfortunately for them, it wasn't their time, but it seems to have been Brindy's time and uh, a common theme throughout MPL, MPLW and CPL. Uh, one of the teams that has had to go from the elimination stage through the preliminary rounds has made it. So a team that was third or fourth in all three of the leagues has made the final. And like I said, uh, CPL was no different in that regard. Brindy's with another victory here. This one against Queanbeyan City, 1-1, and Brindy's 1-4-3 on penalties. Uh, Jordan Host uh, opened the scoring for the Brindy's 32 minutes into the tightly contested contest. Uh, Host, from just outside the box, struck a nice free kick for the left post. Uh, it seemed like there was a bit of, of a deflection um, when I was there watching it, but uh, nonetheless, it was a well-struck free kick. Brindy's had some really good chances Uh uh, throughout the game, uh, had some really good spells of possession with the ball. Um, one of the best ones that they didn't score was from Jamie uh, Jamie Ward after a Blues uh, break, uh, but it was terrifically uh, saved by the Queanbeyan keeper. Queanbeyan went close to an equaliser uh, a few times. One specifically I remember was uh, Michael Menza at one point with an incredible overhead kick. Um, but in the 73rd minute, Menza was sent off with a red card. So, and despite that, though, Queenbeam kept pushing forward to try, despite being a man down, to try and get that equaliser. And it was realised, dying seconds from the match being done in uh, stoppage time, 96th minute of stoppage time. A cross was lobbed into the box. A header was uh, sort of challenged for it. Two players were going for it there. And um, the, uh, the ball seemed to bounce off the Brindy's defender's arm there. So it was called as a handball. Referee blew for the spot kick. And Vasco Petrovsky stepped up to convert the crucial penalty uh, to take his side into extra time. Despite a tense extra time period for both sides, and of course, Queenie down to 10 men for that as well, the preliminary uh, final was to be decided on penalties. And I think the best way to sort of sum this up is a direct quote from uh, the Capital Football article today. After Flissinger had stepped up first to score, Kusan uh, Furege, saw his shot cannoned, uh, cannon back off the post, opening the door for Dagan Smith to seal progress. It was that kind of madcap afternoon. And I believe Russ would have been the one that uh, wrote that. I thought that sort of summed it all up well. It ended 4-3 on penalties to the Brindies and they go to the grand final. Heartbreak for Queanbeyan to lose on penalties, especially heartbreak considering that they, you know, they fought back um, with 10 men to get that equaliser and to go to extra time and to sort of push forward in, and both sides trying to get goals in that extra time. And obviously it going to penalties. Um, commiserations to Queanbeyan. Uh, I know obviously wasn't their uh, ultimate goal of trying to get promoted or their, uh, what I'm assuming would have been every team's second goal in trying to win the grand final. But nonetheless, they've had some really good periods uh, of play this season. I'm sure they'll be, uh, sort of um, working up next, uh, you know, sort of building in the off season and trying to have another crack at it next season. But uh, I thought it was a good season nonetheless for Queanbeyan and uh, commiserations to them. 
Uh, congratulations to the Brindies, though. We mentioned in the last few weeks how well they've done uh, this season. Um, they, Like I mentioned, they had really good spells of play here. Very impressed with some of their play here. Um, and they defended quite well, considering that oncoming, that oncoming pressure for Queanbeyan. In the end, they weren't able to hurl that... Um, that penalty out, but uh, they defended quite well um, with the Queenbeam pressure at the end. Uh, they have now set up a Southside Derby, Tuggerong Derby, Webby might have another name for it, for the grand final next weekend. Webby, another dramatic semi-final here. What did you make of it? Uh, yeah, um, just a fantastic, a fantastic game. And um, yeah, like you said, a, a very interesting result um it was kind of it had it had everything i think that game look to be honest i think brindy were probably slightly the better team over the over the, the 90 at least um and would would have felt extremely hard done by by the penalty and to concede that in the 96th minute um but on the other side queenbian really would have thought yep we've finally got it we've got this in the we're gonna we're gonna take this so it, it's such a hard mental barrier to get over for Brenda Bella's perspective um, to, to concede so late in a game. Um, so to, to pick themselves up and then, you know, get through extra time. They were a man up. Um, as you said, Michael Mensah was sent off, but I'm pretty sure um, it was early into extra time, a Brindy player got injured and they had used all their subs. So they had their emergency sub that you're allowed and they had to bring on their the goalkeeper on the field. So, you know, they were doing it tough as well as, as Queanbeyan, but it just shows what a fantastic kind of spirit that group has. Um, look, they've, they've been really good all year. It's funny, somebody showed me a, a prediction that I did at the start of the year. It wasn't probably on this podcast, but I picked the top four and I had ANU, Queanbeyan, Tuggeranong and Brenda Bella. I, I think but, you, might, you might have done that here yeah. as well. You did. But to be perfectly honest, I would have tipped against them this week. I would have tipped against them last week. Um, and they're just, they've proven me wrong both times. So I think Ray would be happy if I tipped against them for the final because they'll probably conceal their win. So um, look, they have been very impressive. You know, I, I, I talk about it every time I get on. I just think Jordan Host is an exceptional, exceptional player. Um, he's really been one of the only big additions to the team this year, but he's just been, you know, so instrumental for them. Um, <clears throat> obviously having Curtis Schaefer back um, has, has been helpful for him. I look, I really think that they start with their defense. I think their defense has been extremely impressive all year. Um, they, they, they remind me a lot of Tuggeranong's defense, young, very good ball playing, strong, um, they start a lot of their attacks from their defence. So, um, look, very, very impressive. To, to come from last last year to make a grand final, it's, it's an amazing turnaround. And, um, you know, it's something that Ray really should be extremely proud. Queanbeyan, on the other hand, um, <clears throat> look, things just didn't go well. Big ups and downs in this competition. Tuggeranong's really been the only consistent side. But they started off so well. They had this huge slump in the middle and they it 
one point it looked like they might not make the top four. Then they had a really good end to the season to pip Anu's second spot. But the final series was definitely one to forget for them. From last week's, you know, 5-0 loss to, to Tuggeranong, something that they really, really didn't want. But then to go out straight sets um, from that, you know, first top two position, it, it's tough. So, look, some, definitely something for them to build on next year. You know, it's a definitely a, a younger-looking Queanbeyan side. So, um, yeah, I think onwards and upwards for them. But um, looking forward to next week. Absolutely. And I just want to say congratulations to Brenda Bella. They've sort of really thrived in that underdog sort of scenario or role per se. They've done really well. And now they obviously find themselves in this weekend's final. So they will take on Tuggeranong United. It will be Tuggeranong United versus Brenda Bella Blues Sunday, October 2nd, 2.30 p.m. at Riverside. And in terms of results from past encounters between these two heading into the final from this season, they've played three times with Tuggeranong uh, winning the first match 4-0, uh, winning the second match in round 12, 3-0. Uh, the first match was in round five. And then round 19 uh, was a 1-1 draw. Webby, what are your thoughts on the final uh, between these two sides. Obviously, we're not really too surprised that Tuggeranong have made it into the final. Like you said, they've been the most consistent side all season, but they're coming up against a Brindabella Blues team that will go in there with you know a feeling of just having nothing to lose because they've been counted out in you know both of the games that they've already played in finals this season and they've come out on top both times. So why not sort of make a, a hat-trick uh, of it? Yeah, look, um, I think these two teams match up quite well. Um, they're very similar, both quite young um, and both very well coached. They both have a lot of firepower. As I said, they're, they're very similar defensively, big and strong at the back and, and kind of um, can play out quickly from the back and set up play through the midfield, but also can kind of skip the lines and go direct. Um, you know, um, Ollie Wurtson's very good at hitting a good 50, 60 metre ball straight to the strikers. Harrison Bunnell is one of the best I've seen in Canberra at hitting that 50, 60 metre ball from the centre backs to the strikers. So um, they do have a lot of arsenals in um, both teams um, in their lockers. So uh, it it promises to be a really good game. As you said, you know, Tuggeranong have probably had the wood over them, but Windy have managed to, to hold them in, in one game. And I think that that gives them a lot of hope um, that they can match it with them. As you said, they've, they've come into the last two games probably with nothing to lose. And, you know, everyone's against us. No one's giving us any hope. And they can just go and play absolute um, risk-free kind of football. Getting into a grand final is a little bit different. And while you, you want to think like that, when you step out on that field on grand final day, uh, the pressure will get gets to a lot of people, especially these young guys. Look, hopefully it doesn't, and hopefully they can go, look, we've got nothing to lose, just like the two games before this. Um, but um, I think that the pressure will be there. I kind of feel, and you know, and I might be wrong, Tuggeranong, on the other hand, probably have a little bit less pressure because they wanted promotion, they got promotion. I think... 
this is just a bonus for them. And so, um, you know, that Tuggeranong team without pressure is a, a very, very dangerous team because they can play some fantastic free-flowing football. So um, if they kind of play with, the, you know, all the constraints off, then uh, it should be a really good game. It certainly should. Uh, Webby, thanks for joining us this, this week. We'll, of course, see you next weekend. Sorry, uh, next Monday anyway, to review the final and the season as well. Um, Webby, any last words uh, before we head off? Uh, look, uh, good luck to both the teams. Um, again, I hope I haven't cursed anyone. I'm sure Mitch will let me know if I have. But yeah, look, I just hope it's a, it's a really good game. But mainly, look, congratulations to both of them for getting there. Um, it's a Tuggerong, it, it's a tough getting relegated and, and picking yourself up. And it's going to be interesting to see if Bel Conon can do the same next year. But Tuggerong has shown that you can do it. But I, but I don't think it's as easy as some people think it was for them. Like mm. they put in a lot of work, um, especially this time of year to kind of get the get the, the team ready for the next year. Um, but then they had to put do it on the field. And similarly, Rinda Bella from, as I said, from last spot, um, it's so easy to see its team um, kind of decimated when you come last. People just kind of go, well, maybe I'll go and look at greener pastures. But, you know, they pretty much held everyone together, everyone they wanted, brought more in, um, and, and it's shown how uh, fantastic that team's progressed. You know, they were really just a kind of almost an under-19 team, you know, about three or four years ago when they started. And it's been slow, but they they had – and you've seen it. I've seen it hundreds of times before where teams say, oh, look, we've got a really young team. They'll be really good in five years. And five years later, most of them have left. And there's, mm. But they've actually really kept them on, and all of a sudden they're in grand finals. And they can keep hold of them again – and pick up a few more, they are actually real enchanted. As I, as I said, it's the keeping hold of them. There are some superstars in their team, and I'm sure some NPL clubs will be sniffing around. So, or even some of the uh, kind of higher status CPL teams. So that will be uh, interesting to, to watch out for next year. Well, it certainly will. Um... Keep tuned to NPL TV, of course. A lot of matches this weekend uh, compared to some other weekends. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 9 a.m. will be the Reserve Grade Women's Grand Final. Uh, Under-23's Grand Final will be at 12 p.m. at Deakin. Straight after that on NPL TV, I'll be commentating that one with uh, Paul Celestino. And then we've got the NPLW Grand Final after that at 3 p.m. at Deakin Stadium. And then we've, uh, after that, we've got the MPL Grand Final, 6 p.m. at Deakin Stadium. This is all on Saturday. And then, if I'm not mistaken, uh, CPL Final will be on MPL TV live stream there, 2.30 p.m. at Riverside Stadium. So heaps of Grand Final football for everybody. Try and get down to the games if you can. Hopefully, it will be really good weather. And it was this past weekend. Let's hope that continues for this final weekend. And we'll see you next weekend here on the show uh, for the final episode of the season. Thank you very much.